All right, welcome to Unapologetically Male, where we are surviving society's stigmas, standards, and systems. I want to give a shout out to my co-host, EJ Stewart. Um, special shout out to Jay Pope, Jennifer Pope, and Associates uh, for giving us this idea to kind of push forward. Um, here, we just want to highlight um, African American men and their and their stories of success, as well as highlighting you know how mental health um, plays a part in you know where we, to get to where we. Um, get to in our level of success. On today, we have uh, Brother Muhammad, who's going to share a little bit about himself. I'm going to give him the floor now so he can just kind of give us a little background, tell us about your history, you know, where you grew up, and um, how do you get to where you are right now? I appreciate it. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank y'all brothers for even having this platform um, for us to come and speak our truth. Uh, very comfortable environment, so uh, definitely uh, I'm I'm here to share. So mm -hmm. let's 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 see how much I can pull out of it because I, <laughs> I, I tend to be reserved. So, uh, but today I've opened it up. So I'm originally from uh, North New Jersey. Um, believe it or not, uh, Baltimore. We always hear this saying: when you get in trouble, you get sent down south. <laughs> Baltimore was my south. <laughs> Got you. So, so they sent me south enough. <laughs> they sent me from they sent me from one to another. Yeah, but, Brick um, City, Brick City, the Charm City. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I used to get uh, sent to Baltimore um, at, at an early age, maybe started uh, when I was sixteen, uh, and I used to go back and forth. Um, so when it was time for me to go to college, uh, one of the blessings was that I, I could play baseball. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I got picked up by Morgan and uh, had a partial scholarship. But more than anything, what's interesting, and I really talk about this, what, what's interesting is when I was in high school, I never did well in school. Like, mm. I never saw a B. <laughs> I ain't get a B in gym. <laughs> <laughs> So, so going to college was a heavy transition for me. But the, I think the beautiful thing about me going to an HBCU was that the professors around me wasn't going to allow me to fail. Mm. Like whatever I had in me, they were able to pull out of me, even though I didn't know it was there myself. Mm. Um, but that um, strong personality, that uh, that opinionated young man mm -hmm. um was early on forced into uh entrepreneurship uh because i was a uh i was a psych major and i was a psych major kind of by relation um at the time to me my big brother was at Duke at mm -hmm. Morgan, right trying to keep me on the right Believe it or not, at that time, he was trying to keep me on the right path. <laughs> so uh, that that um, that first job I had, it was it was tough for me because I worked in a group home. I worked mm. in a group home in East Baltimore. And the kids in the group home at the time wasn't that much uh, old or younger than I was. Um, young men, but they were pretty much warehousing these kids. Mm -hmm. And me being in that environment, it was tough because these was the same young brothers that I grew up with. Mm -hmm. That I I did, you know, I was 
around the way with. I did good and I did bad with, but they was they was my people. And now I'm in an environment where I'm supposed to help them. And in reality, the only thing that was going on was we was in there playing uh, video games together. Mm. It was no no real therapeutic growth. Um, and that discontentment just pushed me to start something at Morgan, which at the time was Keys, which allowed us to take kids or these young brothers and these young sisters from group homes and particularly at the time in East Baltimore and bring them to Morgan's campus and just allow them to experience what that was. That within mm-hmm. itself was therapeutic. Now I did some other slick stuff with it because mm-hmm. I, I, I told DSS I was doing a therapeutic program and I can talk about it now. <laughs> I'm about to say, uh, are we allowed to talk about? Are you allowed allegedly. to talk about that? Yeah. Allegedly, allegedly, yeah, allegedly. You know, I was doing a therapeutic program, but in essence, I was using my professors and the relationships I had with my professors mm-hmm. to really do groups with these young people. But really, they was taking they was taking me through the same process they were taking these young people through, and we were going through it together. And from that point, that was kind of the start of. I knew what I wanted to do. Mm. I wanted to infuse myself in a place where I could coexist with young brothers and young sisters who had similar experiences to me. However, because of whatever reason, didn't have the opportunity for exposure. Sports allowed me to have some exposure. And that exposure, not the sports, Mm -hmm. that exposure is what changed the trajectory of my life. So that's, you know, to a to a certain extent, that's where I come from. Um, and at this point, you know, um, I lead an organization called Keys, which is a branch off of what I established back then at Morgan. It's mm-hmm. called uh, Keys Development. Um, there are different components of it, but that's where we are now. Does the Keys, is it is it all just Keys or is it is it an acronym or is it just Keys or what, what made you how did that come to be the name and where did that come from? Now, that's a great question. So um, it was, uh, it was, it's an acronym. Okay. It stands for, it's a couple of, it's uh, two other brothers and a sister that initially um, we were just trying to do work for these uh, young brothers and sisters um, on Morgan's campus. Um, so the acronym stands for keep encouraging youth to succeed. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's definitely for me something that uh, means a lot just because we came up with that as uh, 20-year-olds, right? We, we were young, but um, it, just, it just speaks to not for myself, but what when um, that energy is put in the in the right place, what young people can establish. And um, that's, it's not, it's not due to what I did as a, um, as a professional. That That's really, you know, it gives testament to what I did as, to what I did and other uh, young brothers and a sister did to when we was just 20. Absolutely. Cool. So what, what are some of the, the things that, like, I would say some of the stigmas that you had to navigate with being a, a young African-American business owner um, of, a, of a mental health uh, almost organization? 
Like, what are some of the stigmas or some of the, you know, the barriers that you came up against to kind of get to where you are now? I think the first stigma was that um, in reality, and we're talking about early on, we're talking about 2000, what, 2004, 2003, maybe Mm -hmm. 2003, right? So we're talking about 2003 as a young man um, starting a business that I wasn't about my business, Mm -hmm. that I was young and black and I was a little fat. Mm -hmm. All the way around. I mean, in the business community, in the social work and mental health community, Uh I was a 21-year-old, 20-year-old black male who wanted to do something for his people, who was focused on um, a group of people that, kids in group homes, and I wasn't trying to house them. I was trying to do something different and just provide programming for them. The idea that my business actually made sense. And I think that the the first thing that I had to navigate was literally our mental health or our Department of Social Services. Mm. Like, real talk, all honesty, they felt like we were doing something that was positive for the young people, but they didn't necessarily feel that a young black male should be leading it. Mm. That when I did the same work and I put another face who wasn't black in Mm. front of it, then I was able to get a check for the same work I was doing for for free. Wow. And that that that's the first barrier that 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 I had to crack. Mm. Um thankfully there were uh at the time there were strong groups um like progressive life. Mm. Big shout out to uh progressive life because that was one of the first organizations that said, you know what? We see what you're doing, we believe in you, and we're gonna start referring people to you and we're gonna pay for the service. Mm. Um, so that was that was one thing. The I think that the next thing, and you know, we got a lot of social workers now, right? Mm-hmm. Just, everybody wanna be a social worker, we wanna be a therapist. But at the time, nah, it wasn't a lot of males in social work, 2002, 2003, that was going to become uh therapist right that it that wasn't really there so the idea that um a black male could be a effective effective therapist that was another that was another barrier because the idea was that i was great at um resolving crisis if somebody got shot if somebody died, oh, we got somebody for him. We, we got we got Muhammad. Mm. Muhammad knows about that stuff. But for me to actually, for me to actually uh, be a good therapist, like I came from a point where I was just that person, and at the time I was with University of Maryland, no problem. I I, I call people, I call everybody out, so I, <laughs> I can be shy with y'all. Talk your talk, brother. Got you. I was with University of Maryland. And I was with uh, long-standing with Catholic Charities. Mm. And the idea that I was put in a box, it just forced me to then go, all right, I got to go to Cornell and I'm going to get this um, certification. I'm going I'm to get this CBT certification and I'm going to actually have this specialty 
Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna go get a specialty in trauma. Like, all right, we we heavily trauma informed now, right? But mm-hmm. I'm talking about 2006. Like, I got certified. I went away to get certified in trauma, things like that. Um, that I just wasn't gonna be average. I wasn't gonna be your average therapist. That I was gonna be the best therapist that I could be, because um, again, I was there for the sake of my people. In reality, I'm there for, and when I say my people, I'm going to bring it home. Like, I'm there for my own brother. I'm there mm-hmm. for my own sister. Like, that's the way I connected with these these young people in the group homes. So I, for a long period of time, I did work with uh, in group homes, but I really wanted to do the tough cases where people, um, like a person that, is really struggling with bipolar. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to take that case because I wanted to assure that I was sound in my craft and I just wasn't giving supportive care. So. And yeah, you spoke, you speaking on something that I think all, all three of us could probably relate to just being uh, respected and taken seriously you know, in this field as, as black men and not always just being the, the person to go uh, be the body, you know, to go in there and, and insert yourself and, and, and be the body. Um, you know, that, that just resonated with me. Uh, tell, tell me some more about what Keys is, is doing and, and how your relationship still is with Morgan or in Keys or just as, you know, Keys just doing its, own thing separate from Morgan, but tell me more about Keys and what you guys got going on. Nah, big shout out to Morgan for sure. Mm-hmm. Big shout out, big shout out to Morgan because uh, Morgan is the uh, I think that is is one of the, Morgan and Cocky for real because I think that one of the things we overlook in our city, one of the things we overlook in Baltimore is our human capital, and Morgan and Coppin is pushing them out, and a lot of times we overlooking it. But Morgan and Coppin is pushing them out. So big big shout out to both. Um, so what Keys is doing um, is what I strove to do uh, back in 2000, um, 2003. Every example that I had in the work field, whether I spent a little time as um, unofficial lobbyist, um, advocating for increased service delivery um, with a couple of different agencies. Uh, I spent a little time in school, you know, with schools, Baltimore City Schools. I spent a little time as a practitioner. I spent a little time as uh, with University of Maryland. What I found with each system was that there were red tape. That red tape for us as people who want to give, right? We want to do justice. We want to help. Mm-hmm. That red tape stops us from being the best that we can be. So let's take it case in point. You're a social worker in the school system and a child is having trouble with truancy. If you have a great relationship with the family and you have a great relationship with that child, and I'm talking about a round away relationship. I'm not talking about this great school relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, I'm coming to get you. You're not in school. Your mother at work. I'm calling her. I'm telling her to come. 
Matter of fact, leave the door open because I'm going to come up in the bed and wake him up. He getting up and he going to school, right? That's not okay, you know, systems. <laughs> right. We would rather we would rather call a truancy officer. Look, I'm not calling an officer or a child. Let's be let's make that clear. I'm not calling anyone who's called an officer or a or a child if I have the ability to do something different. Right. So what Key strove to do was take that innate skill set that we have as men. And as women, and put it back in our neighborhood, because if I'm in the same neighborhood, now I'm not originally from Baltimore, right? But I spent a little bit of time around the way in Baltimore. All right. So if I'm a, if I'm if I have those relationships, say in on Division Street, mm-hmm. I'm at a school and I have kids that's on Division Street, but you know what? My man still live on Division Street. I'm there every afternoon. I still play ball down the street. I know these little kids. The idea that I have to come to you as a therapist, the idea that I have to come to you as a mental health professional is a fallacy. I can come to you as Muhammad. I can come to you as Mr. Moore. Because of the relationship that I already have, that doesn't stop me from giving from the skill set that I have. So what we... What we try to do is we try to identify people and then say, look, go be comfortable in your own environment. You create what that therapeutic environment looks like. Mm. Yes, you are a therapist and you have a job, but your job is not limited to your one-on-one interaction with a particular client. Your job really is how do I have the most impact on those who I serve? Some of that is going to be a one-on-one or parent or therapeutic session. And some of that is going to be, boy, stop playing with me. And (laughs) we're going to have to do what we have to do to make sure that you do right. And I think that that is what Keys brings. Keys allows those who have been able to become mental health professionals to not only be that, but also be their innate self and bring that back to their community. And that looks different. You know, for each 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 uh, area or each um, hub that we're in, and I'm I'm proud of the fact that I can just home off program after program that we do. You know, our we music therapy. Our music therapy is our ability to deal with trauma. We talk about exposure therapy, like we can connect it back to what it's supposed to be. So we we talk about exposure therapy and how exposure therapy reduces the physiological stress of trauma all right so we're gonna do exposure therapy we're gonna have you talk we're gonna have you re-experience we're gonna have to do you do it in a way that you love let's write this rhyme and let's get in the studio and let's hear you rap about it and let's see if it's dope but in reality what i have you doing is talking about the trauma that you experience and having other people talk about it normalizing it in a way where we can find a way to heal from it. So we do stuff like that. But when I bring it to my young people, I'm never saying therapeutic. I'm never talking about that. I'm saying, let's get in this, let's get in this booth and give me 16. And if you ain't got it, then you gonna learn how to give it. Cause I'm going to give you somebody that you look up to to work with you with. It. 
Yeah, I think that's so important, um, having that ability to get out of the traditional box and sense of what serving the people is like. And, you know, that's something I think is while while you've you've talked about how therapy and mental health has become seemingly more um I don't want to say popular, but it's getting a little bit more light to it. You know, I think it's very important for us as professionals to not put ourselves in the box and how we serve the people. So, I mean, that's that's very refreshing to hear that. Absolutely. Now, now this pandemic has affected a lot of people um, uh, and including the mental health field. Uh, How has Keys been able to kind of navigate the pandemic as well as, you know, how has it affected you? You know, how have you been able to kind of navigate it from a personal standpoint as well? Yeah. Um, so I think that they, they coexist. Um, so w- the role that Keys took, and I think that this is, the, you know, the benefit of us just being flexible and, and um, being able to direct our energy whichever way we need to. We, we literally became advocates in this. So quietly... We've been knocking on everybody's door, uh, whether it be, you know, the governor's office, whether it be our state senators, whether it be our delegates, whether it be Baltimore City political officials to take, like, from the door. We all, I mean, everybody takes mental health serious. Um, But dollars show where you really, you know, what you really care about. When we look at budget and we look at line items, we can kind of identify what somebody uh, prioritizes. So we've been pushing to ensure that mental health is prioritized, but not just that, that it's prioritized in a way that makes sense. So there was a poor, that we already know that, that, you know, the idea of this virtual therapy was accepted for a while. But there was an effort because of dollars to pull that back. Like as mental health professionals, there was an effort. We was almost done. We was gonna have to go back in the homes and have one-on-one sessions. And we know that wasn't really going to happen for a large portion of people. And it shouldn't have because people weren't safe. So we had to become advocates to ensure that, you know what? Our field is taken serious, but we got to push a little harder. Like, you know, we have to be advocates for our field. Like we, as mental health professionals and as males, like real talk, I got to call us out. We are too comfortable going with what somebody tells us we have to do. Somebody comes up with a coma or whatever, it's a new rule. Oh man, the rule changed. This is what we got to do. No, it's not. No, nah, we don't just got to say okay. We can say that this don't make sense and advocate on our own behalf. And I say that as men because our sisters are out there actually, they they out there. But as men, we're a little quiet. We're going along with it because we get in a position where we focus on the business and the business only and the work. But the advocacy portion of our work has to remain strong. So, um, my push is that we start pushing the same way or we start lobbying the same way the medical field lobbies. There's no way 
that in this pandemic, somebody was going to tell a doctor you couldn't do uh, virtual uh, doctor visits. Man, you you bring up such a um, strong point that I've always had for years in my beef with um, the ASWB and the different licensing and and uh, all of that kind of stuff. Um, don't get me wrong, you know I, I see the validity in that and all of that. That's great, you know. But but as mental health therapists, there's so like there's so much red tape. There's so many qualifiers and all these other things. Like we 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 have to pay for licensing every two years, and you know there are people that that are medical doctors, like you said, that they don't have to do these type of things for years and years and years, and we get paid the least. You know what I mean? And and it's like I always said, like. As much as we advocate for our clients and everything else, we are the last people to truly advocate for ourselves. And it's like, how how did you find, you know, what what ways did you find to do that in the midst of saving the world, you know, doing everything, but then saying, hey, I need to put myself in position to advocate for us all. So I think um, strong team. Like, I, 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 blessfully, right? I didn't start out like this. It took time. But I don't have to question what my team is doing on a day-to-day. And because I don't have, a, have to question that and I don't have to live in that space and I have great supervisors that support my team, um, my lane is different now. But I, I, I've always been, now we're going to go back to my story. I've always been that knucklehead that has something to say. <laughs> like, like I, that same energy that I had where you wasn't just going to tell me anything and I was just going to roll with it. I brought that into my profession. And I, I, I took the time to not accept being average. So I was good at what I did. So because I was good at what I did, I was able to advocate within the systems that I was in. And because I was able to advocate within the systems I was in, they put me in a position to advocate um, for them on the state level. Those relationships became my own. So now I'm not advocating for their organization. I'm advocating for us as a field I'm advocating for us as um, clinicians, but I'm also advocating for us as black men. Like black men should have a stronger voice in our field. We are in a field that needs more black males, but the black males that we have can't be silent either because there are black males that are in this field doing amazing work. But if we're silent, we're going to allow people to, to own our narrative that black men aren't in this field doing good work. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. And, you know, we're here talking about mental health and, and black males and stigmas. Um, what would you tell somebody that is seeking or, or thinking about seeking mental health and, and mental health services? Uh, so it's a lot, it's, it's a lot that I say there, but I think that in this case, 
I'll give you this. Um, emotional health is uh, the basis of everything that uh, everything who we are. So if you're not emotionally well, you're not going to be well in your your relationships with your significant others. If you're not emotionally well, uh, you're not going to do well and present well in your professional life. If you're not emotionally well, I'm going to get the best of you when we play sports. <laughs> like, there, there's a level of normalcy that we just have to bring to this. And um, what I like to tell people is that forget the mental health component compartment of it. Like, we got to start just on the basic level. Bro, if you angry all the time, so you got to change that. You got to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't got to go to the depression, right? Or we don't have to go to the anxiety. We can go to, you just not, you're not achieving your goals in life and you may just be angry. Mm-hmm. Or your lady just got you twisted all the time and you everybody else feeling it. Like, you got us. My emotional wellness not good. Because <laughs> you're not right at home. So I like to just break it down just to our ability to have conversations with one another and just feel good about ourselves and feel good about life. And I think that when we start doing that, when we start having conversations about just being like for man, right? For men. It's tough just talking about, yo, are you happy? Like is 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 that a comfortable is that a comfortable question to ask another bell? Like, yo, are you happy? Like that's where I want to get to with this. And I think that if we start there, those more significant challenges that we experience with regards to mental health, we'll get to them and it'll be easier to have those conversations when we just start dealing with the basics. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's definitely good. Definitely, definitely appreciate that. Um, I, I do have one one question. What are some of your self-care strategies as a as an African-American male who's leading a, you know, a great organization? <laughs> if I might say so myself, uh, what what's, what are, what are some of the things that you help kind of keep you grounded and keep you like, you know, with the fresh ideas, the fresh the drive that can want to continue to do it each and every day? So um, I'm not good. To, <laughs> you know, we gotta keep it. Honest. I'm not good when it comes to the self care piece. Mm. But what keeps me um, not? I, but I, I do have some for sure. I just don't use them that often, like I'm supposed to. Um, so sports is one. Working mm-hmm. out is one. But I can't tell you the last time I got on a court or a field. Uh, I don't know when the last time I was in the gym. But, <laughs> What if I needed it? It's there for me. All right, got gotcha. so you. That that's there. One thing that I do do, and it's coming up. Um, I take um, three three weeks, at least three weeks, uninterrupted time, in um, somewhere different in mm. Africa every year. Oh wow! And uh, what I do, I don't. I'm not living it up when I go. Mm-hmm. I'm in the shanty for a little bit. 
I'm in the village. I might be in an area where it may not be like real talk. It may not be no, not may not. It ain't no talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you gotta say it ain't no like that, <laughs> right? Um, because those humble experiences bring me back to the struggle that we have as African Americans, mm-hmm. and it reminds me that even though our struggle is tough, it's real. But when we experience another level of struggle, we understand that we can get through this. Right. We can get through this. So that's kind of that's kind of my drive. And the other thing that I do is when I go back home to Newark, when I go back home to the bricks, um, I'm from a I'm from a, uh, a project called Little Bricks. Little Bricks is boarded up now, but it's still standing. Um, a lot of the people that you know I was with. Um, before I came and had the opportunity to go to college and still doing the same things that we were doing back then. And um, that's just a reminder that no matter what level of, as an organization, success that uh, we hit, we we ain't even close to where we need to be to Mm -hmm. be able to create the change, um, to change the amount of lives that we, that, to a certain extent, we're responsible for. Indeed. Awesome. Definitely, definitely appreciate that. Definitely appreciate your, your feedback, your, you know, sharing your story. Um, and thankful for you taking your time out of your schedule. Um, just kind of come, just chat it up with us, talk about, you know, mental health, just talk about your story. Um, and hopefully that, you know, somebody, you know, has impacted. Um, and, you know, we'll kind of, help them decide, you know, what, you know, to keep it moving, you know, when it comes to mental health and, you know, how they're feeling. Um, if, if anybody needs to get in contact, if they wanted to, you know, uh, like kind of touch base with keys. Caution that. No, I appreciate it. Uh, if anybody wanted to, uh, get in contact with me, I'm not the best person on, uh, social media. However, um, Somebody got a site out there for me. MD dot Hammond. Something like that. MD dot Hammond. But in reality, just go to the Keys site. Mm-hmm. Keys and po- Keys underscores and powers on social media. And keysandpowers.org is uh is our website. Um I may not be on social media, but I have a team that does a great job does. And um, even though, uh, you know, I may not be as accessible on a day to day, I I would like to think that my work is Mm -hmm. constantly pushing that work and we're constantly doing something. So please feel free to reach out and please feel free to get involved as we have opportunities for people who just want to get involved to support young people and to support our elders we have the opportunities for that and um, platforms like this create the opportunity for us to, you know, get that word out there. So I want to thank y'all brothers for what y'all are doing, for being unapologetically male, for being unapologetically strong, for being unapologetically black. Appreciate that. Appreciate it again. Right, Emilio, you got anything? Oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. I'm good All right. to go, man. Definitely appreciate you and your work and, you know, definitely keeping that keeping that up north spirit alive. Definitely appreciate it. You know. Yes, sir. Yeah. 
All right, cool. So we'd like to thank everyone again for joining us on Unapologetically Male, Surviving Society's Stigma, Standards, and Systems. Once again, you can follow us on our, all of our social media outlets. You can catch us on J-Pope and Connections on our Facebook page. You can follow my page at um, Dwayne Pate uh, Jr., Emilio Stewart on Facebook. On Instagram, I'm D-Pate Jr., um, as well as on YouTube. We'll have clips of the interviews on YouTube as well. So look forward to connecting with you. If you have any questions, comments, feel free to put them in the um, chat. We'll make sure that we get them, um, review them, and try to get you an answer as soon as possible. Once again, just help us spread this word, help us spread this message where we're just trying to help identify African-American men's stories and help them share their stories so that we can understand, you know, that, you know, we are strong. We, we are resilient. We have the power to kind of continue to keep that success going, but people need to hear our story. And it, ha it can't be, you know, something on the news, but we got to be able to push our own story because we know that society is not going to push our story for us. So let's keep sharing this message. Um, and I hope to see you next week. Yep. Thanks again, brother. All right. Peace. Thanks again.